heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. A lot of the things we're struggling with or, you, you know, we talk about and right away, I know there are people as soon as you talk about like Russia or war or Ukraine or Putin, they immediately turn the channel off. They don't really care about foreign affairs, not unless it's on their doorstep. Same thing would apply to COVID. If, you, if, you, if it hasn't rattled your life in one way, form or another, you might turn that off as well. It, we, te- we tend to get that way. We get selective with the kind of information we're putting in. But, but here's the message I want you to really take right at the tip top of this conversation today. And that is this. All of these issues and challenges that we're dealing with, in many ways, they are connected. And there is always a lot more to the story in fact, it's Paul Harvey used to say the rest of the story, right? The rest of the, that really is, what is the rest of the story? The truthful story that is, right? And that's what I want to do today is help uh, to understand and reveal what a lot of these motivations are. So in many ways, it's like I often say to you, taking the conversation up to 30, 35,000 feet, and sometimes I get up to 50,000 feet, you see, right at the edge, you know, and then let's talk, let's talk, and let's see what connects the dots here and all of these things. All right, so I'm going to promise you this right up front here. I can promise you today, you're going to learn a lot from this conversation. Uh, it'll explain a lot to you. So I want you to stay. You've you got to listen to the whole program today. Don't be turning off and tuning off and going somewhere else. You stay right in tune because you're going to learn some very interesting points and some facts. And I'm going to give you some ideas, some data, and tell you some things to read a little bit afterward here. But connecting the dots is what we do here on America Out Loud. And it's surely what we do here on The Voice of a Nation here. Welcome in, my fellow Americans, and to our friends around the globe here. It is yours truly here, Malcolm Out Loud, as always, and uh, a pleasure for me to be with you. And and it is, let's be clear, it is my privilege uh, to be with you always. And I always consider it as such. When the mic goes hot, I look at it as a real blessing to be able to talk to uh, fellow Americans and to be able to talk to all of our amazing friends around the globe, because we are heard all over the globe, and we're heard in a lot of unique places, for sure. People love the network, the platform, and we see you. We, we, we see where you're calling in from, where you're listening to. We see the analytics, and it is remarkable, and it's one of the beautiful things about technology today. Uh, there are a lot of downsides to that as well, but there are a lot of upsides, to be sure. So let's have that conversation today, and I want to get right to it now so we're not diddle daddling around and uh, uh, you know twiddling our thumbs and wasting time okay and i'd like to do it with a with a very dear friend and colleague here on the platform who'll join me over this next hour with us uh wallace garneau is is here and uh he's uh, wallace is a business extraordinaire really uh he's uh, a good uh he's a um 
he, he's a good study. He's a, he, he studies the people, the habits, the, the, the things we do. And from there, you can conclude things about those motivations I talked to you about. He's got an outstanding op-ed on the platform, which I think is eye-opening because it explains a lot, a lot that you might not figure out otherwise if you didn't get up to 50,000 feet, that is, you understand? But you got to really do that to be able to look down and connect dots. So this gets into a lot of things. So, all right, so today it's going to be an education, not only on what's going on, a little bit of the Ukraine-Russia thing, and there's a little bit of the Russia-China thing, you bet, but more so about what's happening in our own world in regards to a lot of these things that have happened, like the climate change extravagance that we're dealing with, the extreme climate extremists, you know, this kind of conversation, which is driving a lot of policies, by the way. You've got that going on. You have a lot of the energy problems happening from that result of that, you know. Then you've got a lot of the social cultural stuff happening. Uh, in, sure, in the schools, and but in society everywhere, with you're seeing a lot of this, the trans conversation, which, you know, that part of the population, they, they get the biggest megaphone to make change. And some of that change you may not like, and it doesn't make you a hypocrite or a bigot or a, a racist or a whatever. You know what I mean? It doesn't make you any of that. I mean, that's rubbish. I, I don't believe in any of that. I believe we need to let people live the lives they live and come together as people. So, so let's start there. And I, and I want to start with this. Um, uh, okay, so this very interesting op-ed, which when we're done with the program today, I want you to go read it in its entirety, please. Don't read it right the second, read it at the end of the program. Uh, Putin's motives in Ukraine reveal how Russia and China play the West like a fiddle. Okay, and we'll put links and clicks on the podcast post when this goes to podcast as well. Now, I want to start right there, Wallace, with uh, speaking about, because before we can connect Russia and China to the conversation, I want to talk about the current day of Putin and Ukraine. This is only a piece of the conversation, friends, so don't, don't get odd with me if you don't want to talk about it because you don't think that's in your wheelhouse. There's some interesting things out there I think we need to be educated on. Wallace, you talk in the, the op-ed here quite a bit about these gaps uh, surrounding Russia in that particular area. And let's face it, Russia has a little bit of geography out there, okay? I mean, it's it's Europe and Asia, and it, it really is a combined mass. Uh, and not a lot of people, lot, not a lot of economy, but a lot of land. Let's talk about, I want you to explain, as I give you the floor here a moment, I want to explain and educate people so we all get it. And I'll only interrupt you if I have a question in between all this, but these gaps, how important they are, and why... Vladimir Putin chose this time to invade and create a war with Ukraine, sir. Absolutely, Malcolm. And help, help, uh, thank you for having me on board. It's always a, a pleasure being out in front of the out loud crowd. So uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, if you take your finger and put it kind of on the upper left part of, of where Russia uh, and, and Europe meet, Russia, of course, part of Europe, and just kind of trace your finger around Russia, you see a lot of geographical boundaries or borders, a lot of a lot of uh, highly defensible areas, mountains. Uh, there are some deserts surrounding Russia, a lot of large bodies of water. But there are also a number of areas where you have uh, what they call gaps. They're, they're, they're locations that are, are wide enough and, and flat enough. They're perfect for offensive operations. And Russia, through the course of its history, has been invaded more than 50 times, every one of them through one of these gaps. And as we trace our finger around, we run into nine of them. The first one would be 
the uh, would be the uh, link in the the Russia to the Crimean ports. So, excuse me. The first one would be uh, linking Russia to the Baltic Sea, through the Baltic Gap. And as we move kind of counterclockwise around Russia, next we run into the Polish Gap, which connects Russia to Poland, and then from Poland you can get into Germany through the Folding Gap and what have you. you might remember the Cold War. There was a lot of talk about the Folding Gap. As you continue tracing your way around, you uh, run into the uh, on the other side of the Carpathian Mountains, there's a gap called the Bessarabian Gap that goes through Ukraine. You also have the Crimean Gap, which goes to the Crimean ports in the Black Sea, also a part of Ukraine. And those are the gaps into and out of Europe. Then as you start getting out of Europe, Turkey has historically invaded using the Northern Caucasus Gap. Uh, because the Persian Empire was a thing, they would invade using the Southern Caucasus Gap. You have the gap going into and out of Afghanistan. This is the one that the Mongols used to defeat Russia. The only time in Russia's history the entire country ever fell, it was to the Mongols. That would be the uh, Central Asian Corridor. And then with China, you've got two gaps. You have the Tian Alte Gap, which connects China through Kazakhstan to Russia. And you have the White Sea Gap that separates Russia from Finland and the Arctic Sea. And they've been, inv they've been invaded 50 times through these gaps. And... Uh, when they were the Soviet Union, they actually controlled all nine. But then when the Soviet Union fell, a lot of breakaway republics, eight of those gaps fell outside of their immediate spheres of control. And uh, Russia has, over the course of that time under Putin, they have been slowly trying to retake those gaps or at least get control over those gaps. So if we look at all of the wars that the Russia's, that Russia's been in under Putin, the war with Georgia, that gave them control over the Southern Caucasus Gap. Uh, supporting Assad keeps the Northern Caucasus approach closed. Uh, the Chechnyan War, it, it didn't give them control over the Baltic Gap, but at least it connected them to the Baltic Gap, so it wasn't a wide-open, glaring hole. Uh, and all of the all of these, these wars that they've been in, and invading and exiting the Crimea closed the Crimean Gap. Uh, it also secured Russian access to the only warm water ports Russia's ever had in the Crimean, uh, in the Crimean Peninsula. And then aligning with China, that closes both the Central Asian Corridor as well as the Tianalte Gap. Uh, if they're able to take Ukraine, even if they don't take the whole country, if they just take and hold eastern Ukraine, they close the Bessarabian Gap. And, uh, you know, if that happens, then all eyes are going to fall on the Polish Gap. And one of the really sad things for Russia about this is even if they take those gaps, most of them just open up to other gaps. Now, if you take the Polish Gap, you take over Poland. Well, yeah, now you control the Polish Gap running into Russia. But you've got the folding gap between Russia or between Poland and Germany. So, so if the West wanted to invade Russia, they just go through Poland to do it. You just you're moving the gap further out, but it doesn't really solve the problem. Uh, Catherine the Great noted that Russia has always been able to defend itself only through expansion, and what she means is control that first set of gaps. And then you expand further and control the next set of gaps out. And then you expand further and you control the next set of gaps out. And some of those chains of gaps never end. You never run into a mountain or, 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 or some large body of water or a desert or something else that is difficult to cross. It's just wide open chains of attack from beginning to end for all of, all of Russia's history. And then you look at the energy policy of, of primarily Western Europe, to a more limited degree, Canada, the United States. And there's plenty of natural gas in Europe. Europe does not need to be reliant on Russia for natural gas, but they're not willing to drill for natural gas. And as a consequence, through bad policy, they've become completely reliant on Russia. 
And then, yeah, we didn't see anything when, when, when Trump was president in terms of, of Russia invading Ukraine. But they did under, under Barack Obama. They took the Crimea. And then under uh, Biden, of course, they're trying to take the rest of Ukraine. So, you know, there's that old saying that strength comes through deterrence. So you, you, you deter war through strength, peace through strength. Well, the flip side of that is you have when you, when you all of a sudden you have somebody who shows weakness, your enemies are out there even when you're showing strength. They're just afraid to jump on you. As soon as you get a weak president, that's when they pounce. And that's that's kind of what we're seeing. And then the other factor we have is uh, demographics. Under the Soviet Union, the Russians had a birth rate of, of seven children per family, which gave them a steady stream of military-aged men that they could use not only to defend their territory, but if they wanted to expand, they could expand their territory. Uh, plenty of men for offensive operations when you have you know, that high of a birth rate and, and a, in a large population. That's dropped, actually collapsed right after the Soviet Union fell. It's, it's, it's at 1.4, which is nowhere near enough to maintain their population. And uh, it's been like that for 30 years now. They're starting to run out of military-aged men. They're within uh, just a few years of, of not being able to field a large enough army. to. They'd still be able to defend their borders. But defending within your country and then taking offensive operations outside of your country, those are two different ballgames. And in Russia is getting very close to the point where they will not have enough military-aged men to conduct offensive operations. You don't think uh, Russia was in fear at all about any invasion from the West? Well, I think Russia is always paranoid about invasion not just from the West, but from everywhere else. They've got not those nine gaps go all the way around the country. Uh, they've been invaded from Persia. They've been invaded by Turkey. They've been invaded multiple times, you know, by the from the West, by in terms of Napoleon, Hitler, what have you. Yeah, I do think they, I, I do think there's a fear of that. And then uh, when you look at Ukraine controlling not one gap, but two, and all of a sudden there's talk about Ukraine joining NATO and becoming a part of the European Union. Mm -hmm. you know, if, if I'm Vladimir Putin, I look at a map, that's like a, a freeway running straight to Moscow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really eye-opening to remind everybody that, as you expressed there, Russia has been invaded 50 times. Historically, you don't think about that in Russia in the terms, uh, but historically looking at it, which means like everything, it's that old uh, saying, Wallace, where, what is it, you, you, you eat or you'll be eaten, right? It's the little fish, big fish kind of thing. And you think about that societal, uh, historically at countries, is you think about when do we ever learn as human beings? And I guess we never will learn because that just seems to be uh, the nature of, of, of the way we think, I guess, of human race. There's always those that get to the top. It's the eater be eaten sort of thing. And I guess with Russia, with those 50 uh, points, it reminds us all, or it should, that everybody's vulnerable. And we've all had our moment where we've been threatened in one way, shape, form, or another. And we either come out on top or we don't. Obviously, for a lot of the reasons you uh, depict in this op-ed here, you made the case that now was the perfect time and maybe the only time in current times where Russia could execute this. Because when you say, why now? And you think, well, why now? When, you know, the world was just sucker punched from COVID and people are just trying to catch their breath. And now Putin decides to, you know, throw the world in chaos again. But I guess the why now makes sense based on everything you've said here, Wallace. 
Yeah, it's all about energy policy and having a weak leader in the in the White House. Energy policy, Europe's not going to do anything. China can, or Russia, excuse me, can can shut them off from natural gas, completely destroy their economies. Uh, they won't be able to transport food. I mean, it would be an absolute nightmare if Russia shut Europe off of natural gas. So Europe's not going to do anything. Joe Biden's shown his colors. He's not going to do anything. Right, right. So, yeah, if, if this is the perfect time. Yeah, you know, you just you said something earlier, too. You just followed up with talking about the, the natural gas again, Europe. And you talk about the European leaders. And, and I, I think to myself this, the fact that they made such bad policy and the fact that they didn't want to secure their own energy and the fact that they went into, well, the lion's den, I guess, for a better word right at this moment, uh, to secure the energy, knowing that the winters can be quite brutal out there. And if the switch is turned off, well, that's a hell of a way. That's as good as any war you could create against people when they're dying in those kinds of numbers because there's no energy. Uh, it reminds me two things, Wallace. Number one, how, how stupid the, the, the leaders in Europe are in, in, in plain English terms. M may not sound nice. So I could use some other adjectives there, but let's just keep it there. How stupid they are. And I've felt that way long to make those kinds of decisions. And not only that, but the fact that um, that they've engaged Russia at this point and gave them, uh, knowing that all of this was avoidable uh, because of what? Some climate policy or the environmentalists in Europe and they decide to go this way. And the other big point I would say is that, you know, I have to tell you something. You know, America has come uh, to the defense of Europeans more than once. I mean, we have saved that continent. We have saved those countries. And, you know, at this time, I would say to you, and I know it creates a world balance or imbalance, but I, I'm suggesting to you that they kind of deserve what they get at this point. I know that doesn't sound really nice, but I, I think they kind of, they made their bet at this point. At some point, you've got to learn your lessons. And the fact that they have done this to themselves, they sort of, you know, if that happens, I mean, they kind of played the cards that way and their leaders and uh, this whole influx of open borders and the influx of, you know, uh, bad cats into those environments. I, I think they created this, this issue and they surely should pay the price for it. I don't think America should come. I, I don't know. That's a tough one, but, or, or maybe it's a question I pose to you. Do we, let's say Putin does pull the plug on that sucker and decides to do that. Do we come to the defense of them right now because of their own stupidity? Is that our obligation job or goodwill to men? Or have they uh, bit, you know, bit the bullet at that point themselves? Well, they've certainly bit the bullet at that point themselves. I don't know that we sending, us sending them natural gas would be much of a solution because we need our natural gas too. Uh, I think we would do is, is I would hope we would send them uh, our expertise and maybe some equipment to help them drill. You know, you want, they, they've got natural gas. They just need to get. We won't to even it. help ourselves drill. How the hell are we going to yeah, help I, them? Well, we're just as stupid as they are. I hear you. <laughs> and we're not even talking about fertilizer yet. I yeah. mean, everybody's focusing on energy as a choke point, but yeah. fertilizer right now is good as we're going to start running out of fertilizer. The United States will be okay. But without fertilizer, you can't grow food. And most of the world is going to start having a real hard time finding fertilizer. And where's that coming from? Where's the fertilizer coming from? Well, phosphate fertilizer comes primarily from China, and China decided to stop exporting it recently. Imagine that. Uh, most, most nitrogen fertilizer comes from processing oil, and of course, 
everybody wants to move away from that. So nitrogen fertilizer is becoming more scarce. And the other kind of fertilizer is called potash. The number two producer of potash is Russia. And the number four producer of potash is, you probably guessed it, Ukraine. So China's not sending phosphate fertilizer out. The Western powers are not producing phosphate fertilizer. We're starting to really cut back on the nitrogen fertilizer we're producing. And now the world's losing access to, to, uh, to potash, the only other form of fertilizer left. And we've got very, very, we're, we're a lucky country. We have very, very fertile soil. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people in Africa are, are relying on uh, fertilizer in order to be able to grow, for example, dwarf wheat mm -hmm. in, in parts, that, in climates that are nowhere near as, as easy to grow on. No fertilizer, no food. We're, we're, we're looking at the potential for, for starvation on a, on a global scale that uh, maybe mankind has seen it in recorded history, but certainly not anything that any of us have ever imagined. Yeah. You know, um, what comes to my mind as you're speaking there a little bit as well, Wallace, is that, uh, uh, you know, I, I, got, I just got to be honest with you all out there is uh, stupid leaders, uh, stupid leadership, uh, for, for a better way to say it. Uh, and, uh, you know, he reminds me just moments ago that, well, we kind of we've got the same thing here. Well, yeah, times 100, uh, potentially, uh, which is part of what I want to talk to you about in the second part of this conversation which really is the crux of this very important discussion today, friends, because we are doing it to ourselves and we are allowing China and Russia to manipulate the masses here at home. And it's not just a conversation of indoctrination in schools. That's, 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 that's only on the peripheral edges over here, if you will, leave that there. But I'm talking it's a bigger problem. And, and I've suspected this for a while, which is why... I really, really appreciated uh, Wallace and uh, his um, enlightening us with this uh, terrific piece because he connects the dots in here in a way that reminds us that, you see, a lot of the things that we're struggling with today are connected. They are indeed connected. There is typically a wider plan at play. Now, we don't see that wider plan because we're not, we don't live our lives at 50,000 feet. I tend to do that in my life a lot because I want to bring the best content I can to you. And it's because I believe that's our mission and, and, and mechanism uh, here at America Out Loud. So I do that, now, but I'm unusual. I'm, I'm a bit of an oddball in a lot of ways, and surely that way there. I tend to look at life at 50,000 feet. I, I think I've told you that before. I tend to step out of a room and look back into the room to see what's going on, even while I'm in the room. And try that sometime. <laughs> I've done that, and I always appreciate the moment. Sometimes I'm just sitting with some really significant people, and it's just a significant conversation, which you know you'll never get repeated again. And I do that a lot, actually. And I just try to kind of take the moment, and I wrap it around my mind, and I, 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 I cherish the moment, you see? And I, I take it at that moment, and I think, wow, and that's a moment in time. For whatever reason, I mean, you, you figure that out in your own life or in that right conversation, and it's just interesting how you do that. And, and uh, I've done that throughout the years. And I can think back to those uh, eclectic moments in my mind and think about what they are. So it's an interesting way of looking at things. But the only way you can do that is my bigger point is by stepping out of the day-to-day -day minutia and looking at life, looking at the problem at 50,000 feet, you see.
And I use 50,000 to be clear with everyone to explain to you further, because every day when I get on here or we're talking or we're doing things with you here, I'm typically at 30, 35,000 feet, just where an airline would be. You see, that's normal for me. That's normal behavior. That's how I look at everything. That's why I look at a lot of the interesting writers and Wallace is one of the best. Uh, and I look at a lot of our hosts and different things. And I, I'm typically looking at conversations at that 30, 35,000 feet. This is the way I see things. It, because we're trying to problem solve here. It, it's one thing, you, you know, here's the thing, friends. It's one thing to get on talk radio or podcast or all these people out there and just bitch and complain all day long that the sky is indeed falling. Or think that we're entertaining people by building fear out there. And there's a lot of that out there for sure. I get annoyed with all that stuff. Republican, Democrat fights and conversations. I get very annoyed with it. It's very cheap shot. And, and, and some of our hosts and writers try to go there, but I reject that sort of uh, talk. And that, that uh, I don't find that that's prosperous for any of us, frankly. You know, I think people should live the lives they wish to live. And I, I think we have a bigger mission here. And I appreciate the fact that we live in America, a country of diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of people, diversity of skin color, uh, diversity of ethnicity, uh, diversity of sexual orientation, diversity of education, diversity of everything. I respect that. I appreciate that. It's one of the blessings of living in these United States of America. Today, they use that as a mechanism to pull us apart. I see it as the opposite, you see? And so, so these kinds of conversations today are really, really great because we're able to get up even higher than the norm at 50,000 feet and really take a look at things. Uh, and I respect that. We'll take a moment to tell you about our new program, Pulse. America Out Loud Pulse. Uh, it's, uh, it's really quite something. Uh, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time on the channel. Uh, and 10 p.m. Is, is, is an encore, by the way. So five and 10. We, Voice of the Nation used to be at 10, but we're now at 11. So you catch this program, 6 and 11. Don't let me confuse you now. But Pulse is just before this program here. Okay? So five and 10, you'll hear the Pulse. Now, see, it's an amazing lineup of uh, just talented people. Uh, Mondays, uh, Dr. Marilyn Singleton. Tuesday, Dr. Jordan Vong and Dr. Stuart Tankersley. Wednesday is Dr. Peter McCullough with, with Malcolm, with yours truly here. And we do a lot of hot topics and Q&As that day and a lot of interesting stuff. Those are, those are big programs. They, a lot of listenership to these programs. Thursday, Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Ross Bregan, an amazing couple. Absolutely adore them. Uh, and Friday, Dr. James Lyons Weiler. He's as smart as a whip and then some. Uh, and again, these are all, that's what I love about America Aloud, all intellects, all amazing people in their crafts and their field. You're just not going to get anywhere else. And by the way, I loved uh, her uh, op-ed, uh, Dr. Marilyn Singleton. Uh, this week, if you're listening to this on talk radio, uh, Dr. Marilyn Singleton had a great piece on there, uh, 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 column that is, an article, uh, California leads the nation in heartless legislative lunacy. But it's really good. It gets into a lot of clicks in there and uh, a lot of the uh, she does a lot of uh, uh, connecting of dots in that piece there to remind us that uh, the nation may not want to go the way of California at that point. And I love my California friends, by the way. I have to put that disclaimer in there it's to take nothing away from them. But there's a fight out there on the West Coast that needs to be fought and won uh, by patriots, by the way. 
And her piece on Pulse was uh, her show, uh, just went to podcast last week, Transgenderism is Gaslight in the Public. Fantastic. Give a listen to Dr. Marilyn Singleton or read up on her. She is outstanding. Check out Pulse 5 and 10, and I think you'll uh, enjoy, uh, you'll learn a lot. Now, listen, talk radio and these kind of mediums, this is about learning. This is about teaching. This is about learning. This is about educating. This is about sharing of ideas. That's what this is about. The sharing of ideas. Uh, this is, uh, th- that's what this is it. Th- that- that's what this is all about. So feel free to uh, be comfortable here. Pull up a chair, uh, take your shoes off, stay a while. Uh, it's an amazing lineup of content back at americaoutloud.com. In fact, just last night, Dr. Peter McCullough was saying to me, my golly, he said, you know, I go to the platform, I go to the network, our, our site, he said, our platform, this is my home. He said, I look at it a couple of times, two, three times a day at least, he said, and, you know, he said, and you, there's more news and more happening in America out loud than most news sites. And of course, that just resonated in my mind and my soul because he's accurate and that's not by accident. It's, it's by intention. It's to educate and share the wealth of knowledge out there. We, the people, uh, and do that. You know, the other thing we're doing here at America Out Loud is sharing like-minded pro- products that eva- increase the value of our lives. We get a lot of people who want to advertise with us. Uh, I can't get to them all, frankly. And I refuse many because it doesn't fit. And I'm not going to get into those that I have because I have. And I'm not going to, you know, taint somebody for that reason. But there's some well-known brands out there that we have said no to. That's just a fact. Just a fact. Uh, But there are many that they bring value and it fits into our listenership and what people are looking to hear for a more healthy quality life, which is why, you know, I've been telling you, it's why Healthy Cells has been here for for, for four and a half years now coming on. Uh, That's why they are. It's kind of relationship we have with them. But this moment, I'd like to tell you about the Genesis Fogger. Uh, It's an amazing uh, product. Uh, I have one myself. You put HOCL in, the hypochlorous acid, and it kills any pathogen, kills SARS-CoV-2, kills superbugs, kills influenza, kills viruses, kills whatever. Okay? Doesn't matter. HOCL. And the amazing thing about HOCL, the more you learn about it, the remarkable it is because it's you clean fruits and vegetables with it. Uh, you can do a nasal rinse with it. And that's how amazing that product is. So you see what I'm saying? Very few products like that fit into that category, I think, which is why I share that with you. So anyways, you put HOCL in the fogger. It puts a dry mist, uh, cleans and uh, clears out the pathogens in the room. So at your home, you got people in and out, things going on, take the fogger out, spray the room, get rid of any pathogen in there, be done with it. Okay, absolutely. Do it as a regular regimen at your homes and absolutely at your small businesses. Use it there as well. Uh, genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud or just click the banner at back at americaoutloud.com 15% off the fogger you get just use the code out loud and you'll get that discount of 15% off Genesis Fogger my friends it is something special and it's a game changer for sure and I like these people they're really good Christian people and uh, they want to do good they want to help people out that's the way to do it Okay, click the banner ad back at America Out Loud and get into Genesis Fogger. Take a look. There's all kinds of studies and information in there. Well, listen, you're listening here to the voice of a nation. We're on with Wallace Garneau. We'll take a quick pause. Be back with you in just a moment. Don't go too far. Got a lot of dot connecting ahead at 50,000 feet. We'll join you in just a moment. 
In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both in the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy, and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall Vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Let the silent voices be heard. It was the rallying call that started it all. It's a wide spectrum of programming. From world and political news to societal and cultural stories, six amazing years of news blogs, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Welcome back to the voice of a nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud, yours truly. And it's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you today, my fellow Americans, and I always got to say to our friends around the globe, because we have a lot of friends and a lot of places, and uh, it's a joy always to have you here. Thank you for being part of the mission here uh, on America Out Loud Talk Radio and on my program, The Voice of a Nation. And it is at times I feel like I'm just one voice trying to be heard in the wind and trying to make a difference in people's lives. It's the pleasure of doing what I do here. It's the reason I do what I do. Uh, it's a lot of work, but it is very uh, f- fulfilling. And um, it just is, it's a mission. It's, it's, a, it's a mission that speaks to your heart and your soul. And you kind of know in your own life when you hit your mark or you're doing what you know you should be doing, which is really doesn't make it a job anymore. It just makes it part of your life. And it makes it your reason to wake up in the morning and your reason to go to bed at night. That's what America Out Loud is to me. You see, it's that mission of really lifting people up in in all of its glory. And so we welcome you here to the voice of a nation today. Uh, We're speaking with Wallace Garneau, speaking about this fantastic uh, op-ed. I want you to read after the program, please. Uh, Putin's motives in Ukraine reveal how Russia and China play the West like a fiddle. That is... Uh, the, the the story there, uh, the op-ed that you want to read to connect those dots. Now, we were talking up front, uh, Wallace gave a pretty good review here of the gaps and why Putin chose this time. Uh, it's kind of that victim-victor mentality in life, eat or be eaten, big fish, little fish uh, sort of thing. Uh, the, the evolution sometimes of life and the way we think as people, human beings, we're an interesting but an odd uh, race, I guess, or species. Uh, whatever you want to call us, Wallace, uh, human beings are a, are a strange breed, actually. 
I don't know what other breeds there are on other planets out there. We haven't discovered that yet. Uh, that's another show for another time about aliens. Huh? Anyways, back to this here. <laughs> Let's keep it with China and Russia right now, a bigger problem. You know, I was thinking the other day, that would actually change things up pretty well, Wallace, if we had the aliens drop in right now. That would make Putin and uh, Ukraine and Russia, China, just a little bit less of a problem, wouldn't it now? Uh, you never really know what's going on in the, in, in the big universe of universes, do you now? You speak about in your piece, Wallace, uh, uh, the Soviets had a massive propaganda campaign in the United States. When the Soviets collapsed, China picked up the pieces. Today, both Russia and China uh, finance huge radical environmentalist campaigns in the United States and Canada to encourage us to stop drilling for oil and natural gas. Now, just stop there. Full stop a moment, everybody. Think about that a moment. So, Wallace, that makes really sense when you talk about why are we so extreme? Why do they seem like the small minority of voices are winning the fight? Why are we paying far more than we ever needed to pay to heat our homes, cool our homes, or put a tank of gas in the car, or to get our food to the store, or to support goods and move goods? And why are we devastating our own economy? And then you say, well, uh, there's a lot more to the picture. Let's discuss, let's drill down on that point a moment. I want to educate folks as to why that's important. What Russia and China are really up to with this environmentalist campaigns and how it's reshaping the entire world right now and being used as a tool against good. Yeah, it definitely is. I actually mentioned three things in the article that are being propagandized by uh, Russia and China against the United States. Environmental alarmism is certainly one of those. And that goes all the way back to uh, Gorbachev and the Club of Rome. Remember the whole peak oil thing from the 70s that never right. panned out? You know, they kept saying peak oil, we kept finding more, and now we're swimming in oil. So uh, they, they moved from peak oil and the, the economic collapse that was going to bring to uh, now global warming and the, the concept that if we don't stop burning fossil fuels, uh, we're all going to die in 10 years, which is which is absurd. Uh, and it's not just, it's it's other things too. The Soviets, of course, central tenet of, of Marxism is to destroy the nuclear family. And so if you can, if you can encourage behaviors and lifestyles that go against the nuclear family, that's something communists have always wanted to do in their adversarial countries. If you can do those things and at the same time use it to destroy the demographics of your adversaries, and it's all about military age men. Do you can you field an army? Uh, if you can destroy the birth rates in your adversaries, countries, then why not do it? So, for example, if you're a young a young man going to school, you know, six, seven, five years old, whatever, you start telling him, well, if you're a white male, you're toxic. If you're a white female, you're not much better. The only way that you can make yourself one of the good guys in the oppression Olympics is maybe by being gay or trans. And I'm not saying all gay or trans people have been propagandized to do that. I'm just saying that when you create an oppression Olympics and say, if you're a white male, the only way you can win this is, is by, by, by becoming gay or, or trans, uh, implementing surgeries and things like that to remove your genitals. What you're essentially doing is you are encouraging large swaths of the public. Some estimates say the younger generations, as many as 25%, are gay or trans. You're, you're encouraging large segments of the population to sterilize themselves or to live in environments that, that are not conducive to biologically you know, procreation. So what kind of an impact will that have on our demographics? I think the answer to that is pretty obvious. 
And uh, of course, if you're the Russians and you're, you're facing a, a major demographic hurdle yourself, you're going to do that. So, you know, the whole transgender movement is, is something that Russia and China are, of course, pumping tremendous amounts of money into. Uh, so it's environmentalism. It's 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 all of it. COVID-19. Yeah, that's obviously involved. I didn't put that in the article, but that's obviously involved in all of this. It's 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 all all of these things are all interrelated. So, yeah, it's it's it's. They pay to make us not want to use our energy. They pay to make us destroy the nuclear family. And as a side benefit of that, not have as many children. It all benefits them. So our, our leaders here, uh, these tools they're using, how clever are these Russian and China leaders? Do our leaders here know what we're saying here? Do you, do you think they know the tool, or are they just caught up into all of it and are getting swept into it? Probably a little of both. It all goes back to the uh, to to Gramsci and the, the Frankfurt School moving over to Columbia University when Hitler took power. They've been teaching generations of Americans, anybody who would listen on college campuses, all kinds of, of Russian and communist propaganda for generations now. And they really started making inroads during the Vietnam War. So you start looking at people like Hillary Clinton's age, a little bit younger, perhaps Barack Obama's age. You start looking at people in, in the older that, that are in those age groups, and their professors were teaching them, and they became they were in because of the Vietnam War initially much more open to those ideas than than earlier generations of Americans, and and so it it, it kind of started taking a hold, and, and then it got into law schools, you know the whole uh, the whole. Uh, uh, the CRT thing, which started out in law schools, and it just it just it, it spread out from there. And it, it, some of them, obviously, if, if they if they study history at all or are intelligent at all, they have to know where it came from. They have to know where this got into our culture and our curriculum and all of that. So of course, some of them know, but some of them, I think, just they're raised by it. And, and again, if you tell a five year old that you are uh, a terrible human being because you were born a white male. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, he doesn't want to be a terrible human. You're propagandizing very, very young children. There's a reason they go after children. Children don't know any better. If they waited until somebody was 20 years old to throw at him toxic masculinity, you might get—they're not going to listen. They're going to tell you to buzz off. So you go after a five-year-old. They don't know any better, and then you lie to the parents about what you're teaching. All of this is interrelated, right. and and some of them do it because they believe it's the right thing to do because they were propagandized themselves. Some of them have to know what's going on. I, I refuse to believe that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama did not know what was going on. I refuse to believe that. I could be wrong, but right. I doubt it. Right. So I wonder that if, you know, some of these people are in on the gig or knowing what they know, because you're right, they it's not like these people are stupid, not in the sense of intellect. I mean, they may be in other ways, but not surely not as an intellect. You say in the piece here, China and Russia cannot make us energy dependent, but our own people can. China and Russia are doing all they can to assist the dumbest Americans in shutting down American energy sources. Now, you know, the truth can hurt and the out loud truth can surely hurt because you call you call it what it is. A lot of people don't like that. They want to sugarcoat the truth. And that's what I always call the out loud truth being respectful, but getting to the point or what the truth is. So the energy sources, they're convincing us. So there are two words that come to mind, Wallace, that throughout all of this, starting with the energy here, and you, you know, we've got a lot of scientists, a lot of climate change people on our platform, you bet. But the two words that come to my mind, 
are propaganda and fear. Propaganda and fear. And the propaganda creates the fear. And the fear means then you pretty well can have your way with us. You can do whatever you want to do because the people have now hunkered down and do believe the sky is falling from climate or whatever it is, or the COVID thing, you could resonate, as you say, just moments ago with that, or anything else for that matter. So they are winning this media propaganda war, China and Russia. And worse than that, Wallace, beyond the, the well, again, I know this doesn't maybe sometimes sound good people, but beyond the dumb politicians, and there are plenty of that fit into that category here, uh, we have the media, the so-called so supposed fourth estate, which is a laughing joke, if there was one, who are in on the gig as well. Do they know what's going on? Speaking of the media heads, are they in on the gig, do you think, in relation to Russia and China and that propaganda and these tools they're using to create this fear-based society? They have, some of them, again, have, absolutely have to be. When you think about what a journalist is, what their role is, the fifth estate, you think of the nature of journalism and, and news reporting and, and all of that, uh, that's propaganda is kind of built right in. I mean, yeah, absolutely. They're the ones that study this stuff. They're the ones that should be the most aware of what's going on. So there has to be some culpability there. And you hit something, uh, said something very, very interesting. You said that propaganda breeds fear. That's absolutely correct. Propaganda is a primary tool in instilling fear in the public. But what's also interesting is once you have the public living in fear, once they're afraid, they also will buy into propaganda much more easily. So you've got this spiral, like a death spiral, where the, the propaganda creates fear that makes the propaganda more believable, that makes you more scared and more propaganda, more scared. Those two things play off each other. And our media is, is very, very, they're masters at this. You know, the whole thing, the first time I heard Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez say we have 10 years to save the earth, I remembered from, uh, what was it, Queen did the soundtrack, Flash Gordon. Remember the Flash Gordon thing, just, yeah. Flash, I love you, but we have 14 hours to save the earth. That's exactly what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sounded like, and she was no more right than uh, Gail was, whatever the girl was in Flash Gordon. They didn't have, in the movie, they had 14 hours to save the earth, but it was a ridiculously bad movie. In real life, you know, the, the idea, it was absurd. The right. whole concept is, the whole concept that we have 10 years to save the earth is absolutely absurd. And energy, here's the crazy thing about energy. There's a new technique for potentially getting energy being developed in Boston, where this company believes that they can, in 100 days, no, in 20 days, drill 100 miles down into the earth. And it's so hot, 120 miles down into the earth, that you would have inexhaustible energy coming out of that hole. The heat from it, you could drive wind, you know, turbines, whatever you want to do. Renewable, cheap, reliable, everything we're looking for. The biggest problem with it is there are not that many places in the United States where you can drill that deep without either hitting natural gas or oil. And if you hit natural gas or oil, you don't want that kind of heat coming up. So... We have so much energy that we don't know what to do with it, and now we don't want to use it. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the energy is the hot air in Washington that gets nothing done. We can bottle that energy. All right. So this, I want to talk about these birth rates. It's interesting what's happening. Another thing to talk about demographics. I, I wanted to mention earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt you. When you were laying out uh, the gaps in Putin and uh, Russia and Soviet and so on and so forth. And historically looking at that, which is very fascinating in itself. 
Um, you think back in comparison, I was thinking about the United States and where we are here and the fact we are really lucky and blessed because, by the way, there's a very interesting ending on this op-ed, which I don't want to share now, but I do want to share in just a few minutes a little bit with you. That surprised me when Wallace said it. And I thought, OK, all right. All right. Uh, I like where he's going here. Let's let's have this conversation now, you know, because at the end of the day, friends, for me, for Malcolm, I want to win. I want to win. I'm num- I want to be number one. That's I, I just I, I never was a good loser on the ball field, you see. And as an American, as a patriot, as a lover of our country, I plan to win, you see. And that's that's the difference here. And so uh, and that goes also for America Out Loud and everything else I do in my life. It's the way we carry it forward. It's you just want to be number one, want to be the very best at what we can do. I want to be the very best country. I want to be the very best planet. Uh, so when the aliens do land, we got it all figured out, man. Come on, right? I mean, that, that's the way it goes, right? All right, so let's talk about those birth gaps. And I was thinking about the United States, Wallace. And I was thinking about how lucky we are because we have oceans on the side. And then we, of course, now we're also, we're lucky, but we're not really taking advantage of this. That luck is going to run out because we have the buffoons creating policies that are detrimental to our lives. And on the North and the South, I mean, there's an influx of bad cats coming in to Canada at a moment by moment notice, which I, that's a whole nother talk. But getting into that with uh, what's happening with the bad cast of characters up there, nobody talks about it, but I'm well aware of it. And same thing in the South. And then, you know, sure, open borders, all of that. But it's become the Wild West here in our country. We're, we're diluting and polluting our lifestyle by the second. And we'll never get that back. Now, the influx of that, and you, you heard the Center for Immigration Studies experts I have on and all of that. And, and you're talking about, you know, we're, we're a little bit lucky in that way, but we're not taking advantage of it. And that's an eye-opening statement, whereas Russia's, like you said, they're vulnerable with all the gaps. Right now, our gaps are the southern and northern border, are they not? Absolutely, they are, uh, to the degree that they are gaps. You know, nobody's going to be able to run an army through uh, Mexico into the United States. I guess you could through Canada if there were enough people in Canada to, to, to send through. Uh, the no, issue but, there... but let's, let's drill down on that point, though. Hold on. I don't want people to sugarcoat what you just said because that's true, but it's not true. Uh, yes, you're not going to run an army through there, but you don't, need, you don't need an army to defeat us, Wallace. Well, you certainly don't need an army to destabilize us. I think you're, you're thinking terrorism. The other thing that yeah. you can do yeah. is uh, if you don't like the way the people in a country vote, send in more people who you think will vote differently. Amen. And, and so that's 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 it, too. Delete, do, you can dilute the uh, culture until you destroy it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for allowing me to circle back on that point. And I want that clarified with people listening to know what we're saying here, because this is what I mean about trying to think we're lucky and that it doesn't really matter. It all matters. And it's devastating our quality of life in ways that we really can't wrap our minds around at this moment, friends. And future generations are going to pay a hell of a price for our stupidity right at this moment. Going further than that on the birth rates in in, uh, China and Russia. And China, as you point out in here, rightfully so, is even worse off, correct? China is even worse off because of the one-child policy. Imagine now, if you have a one-child policy and everybody decides to have a girl, you're going to have some a very small number of very very happy boys when you decide to increase your birth rate again because a small number of guys can impregnate a lot of women. If you go the other way around and you've got all kinds of boys but no women, 
there's nothing you can do to increase. If you decide that you need a larger birth rate, there's nothing you can really do about it. You're just going to have to wait until you have more equal numbers of boys and girls with a much smaller population. That's where China is. China has China it, as as Russia is is getting to a point where it cannot field a large enough army of military aged men to conduct offensive operations. China's right there too, and uh, there's nothing China can do about it because they don't really have any means in the immediate term or or even the foreseeable future to turn those numbers around. The one child policy was absolutely devastating. I, I don't know who thought about that, but it was probably the single dumbest natural, national security decision any country has ever made in recorded history. Now, equally dumb is what's happening here with the gay trans movement in our country. And I've been seeing the numbers just recently. We're talking almost one in four now of young adults are confused. Uh, and some are confused. Some are trans. Some are gay. Some are both. Some are whatever. We're talking these. That's startling. What do you say well, to that? It's, 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 I, it's, it's one thing to be tolerant of alternative lifestyles. We're a free country. If somebody wants to live an alternative 100%. lifestyle, yeah, 100%. don't hurt anybody, whatever you want to do. It's, it's, it's your life. You live it. Be happy. But when you start telling children as young as five years of age in kindergarten, you know, Tommy, you're really gay, aren't you? Shouldn't we call you Tammy? Yeah. Why don't you wear a dress, Tommy? Why don't you? You're toxic masculine, Tommy. Don't don't tell me that you're a boy because that's toxic masculinity. Yeah. Maybe you should be a gay boy, Tommy. Oh, and by the way, you're white, so you're responsible for all of the evils in the earth unless yeah. you can become a member of an oppressed group. Yeah. How can you do that? Well, remember, just go by Tammy. Now you're good. If you're Tammy, you're a hero. If you're Tommy, you're responsible for genocide and all these other terrible things. So go home, tell your mom you're evil and you're going to commit suicide unless she calls you Tammy. Yeah, that's really they're important. Yeah, yeah, it's real important what you're saying there. And uh, listen, my friends, you really need to uh, hone in on this point here, please. Uh, because uh, what Wallace says there, I absolutely mirror what he says. And it's my personal opinion, by the way, and the opinion of this network. Uh, we really we think people should be happy and live the life of their choosing. And I've always said the, the Republicans make too much of that and they get in too many faces or they become uh, too, uh, the, the media has driven them as being the culprits, just like making them the culprits against black America when they never were, or making them the racist when they're not, or white supremacist or white privilege when it's not, or the fact they're against gay and trans when they're not. Uh, really, it is about people living their fullest life. But the deal is the propaganda in the children that are forcing now a larger part of the population to take those lifestyles. And how do I know that? It's a fact. My son has a friend who is a, uh, a girl uh, who thinks she's a guy. Uh, and this is a, a friend, an acquaintance in school, I should say, and, uh, and confused, very, very confused. Uh, so there is a girl who thinks she's a guy, hasn't done any trans body part movement yet. But and, you know, we used to just call that in my day, Wallace, a tomboy. And we'd go at it at that. And they were fine. I mean, they, whatever. But that's not the way it is today, is it? No, it's not. Uh, tomboys were, were generally, you know, those were girls who like to do more guy yeah. sorts of things. But yeah. you now when I was, when I was 16, 17 years old, I dated a lot of tomboys. I found that kind of attractive. You know, a girl was also your best friend. I found that very, very, I still find that very attractive. My wife is my best friend. Right. Right. And uh, so she may be a tomboy, right? Well, I wouldn't call Gosha a tomboy, but uh... <laughs> I had to throw that out there just to see. I know, I know. All right, I got to get to the. 
I got to get to the drum roll here, please. It just, uh, which is the crux of this uh, terrific op-ed here. And, uh, and it, it ends with this, uh, Putin is not crazy. You know, people are calling him crazy, mentally deranged, that sort of thing. We are. Uh, Western Europe is. All right. That's the message right there. Uh, he and uh, uh, China have they, they've made this their grand plan. But really, the crux of this and the drum roll is and, 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 and listen to these words here. Uh, Wallace ends with at the end of the day, we will win whether we want to or not. Demographics, geography and economics demand that we win, but we can do it a lot of damage to our own country and to the rest of the world before all these other factors force us to win in spite of some of the dumbest decision-making in American history. And Wallace, I ended there to think that I never like to um, count on any one thing. I, I, I believe the trust and then verify was always the best tool I preferred. So I don't want people to leave the program here thinking we already won because we could very well lose. I think it's a very interesting message you end with, but I think I want to express to people in short terms here, the fight we're in right now is real. Summary in just one minute. How do you size it up? Well, the apocalypse is something that we are also going to, the end days are something that we are also going to win. But if you read Revelations, it's a very, very scary route getting to that winning this could be, we could see over a billion people starve to death this year, and I am not, I'm not making that up. I'm not trying to shock people. No fertilizer, no food, no food, no life. No energy, no wealth. No wealth, no food, no food, no life. We are playing with fire, mm. and while at the end of the day you play with the cards you're dealt, we've got a, a royal a, a royal, you know, flush. We, we can't lose this, but... We can do a tremendous amount of damage to ourselves. We can do a tremendous amount of damage to the rest of the world. We can have we can watch billions of flesh and blood human beings die in terrible, horrendous ways if we don't get this right. Amen to that. Amen. Wallace Garneau, thank you for joining me here on Voice of a Nation, brother. Thank you for having me, Malcolm. Yeah, it is a pleasure always. Uh, what a great conversation. That op-ed. Putin's motives in Ukraine reveal how Russia and China play the West like a fiddle. It's very good. It's a real uh, thinker. Makes you think. And it's a 50,000 foot piece for sure. Connect some dots for you. You'll have a better understanding. Um, that's the kind of conversations I love to have here, uh, which is why we did this today to you. Um, listen, I, I hope you learned something from this, but more than that and equal to that, actually, share this out there, please. Get this out to the world. The out loud truth must be shared uh, and help us connect those dots, but help us share it with our fellow man uh, so that we're all in tune to what is really taking place here. Thank you, friends, for joining me here. We'll see you again here again on The Voice of a Nation, 6 and 11, Monday through Friday. It's time to get involved and get loud.